Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Across the UK, online and on DAB. <laughs> Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on talk radio. Femba can go to hell. Topical talk, outspoken opinion and inspirational conversation on the hour of Badass Power. Underwear, armpit hair, many imitators but no one compares. Minter, Campbell and Sexton are your all new Saturday night super squad. Badass Women's Hour on talk radio. She'll get you talking. One, two, three. Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm joined by my co-hosts Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. And this week, as ever, we'll be reviewing all the news that's gone before. But do you know what? There's some been some stuff that's really riled us this week. Legsit is so annoying. Yeah. The cricketer and his oh wife and what vulnerability means, according to a judge in domestic abuse cases, made me so angry. But we're not going to start with any of them. We're going to start across the pond with Mike Pence. Nat, tell us, what has Mike Pence been up to this week? So there was a, the Washington Post actually ran a, a feature not on Mike Pence, on his wife, Karen Pence. And the headline is, Karen Pence is the vice president's prayer warrior gut check and shield so for those of you who don't know mike pence is the vp of the united states of america vice president uh in the article she talks about their relationship habits and she states that he does not have dinner alone with another woman it's just not part of their practice or anything as far as she do. knows <laughs> Good point, Emma Sexton. Good point. What has happened is Twitter has taken this on board and given it a life of its own, (laughs) asking a series of questions in terms of what does this mean for how he works with women? What does this mean for him actually being able to engage with, with a woman? Does he think all interactions with women have some kind of sexual connotation? But if I'm being honest, my mind is still split and it's split in three categories. So the first one... If I was with a guy and he said to me, babe, because, you know, call me babe, uh, I will not go out to dinner with another woman apart from you because that is just what I believe. I'd be like, okay, I wouldn't do that. I would go out for a dinner with a guy, maybe, and you can tell me that I couldn't, but I'd be like, okay, fine. So my brain is kind of split there. Wait, 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 H, H is like getting ready to come to the mic. We do. Then I thought... I, so my boundary is, so again, as a guy, you can go for dinner who 
out out for dinner with whoever you want. But my red line is you are not allowed to go to another woman's house and she cook dinner for you. That is my red light. H, H is trying to get to the mic. Like, what are you I feel like about? we've completely missed the point of this article, <laughs> no, I know. right? So I know. there is one thing but- about going out for dinner with somebody in a romantic connotation. Mm-hmm. Okay, that is very, very different. What happens if Theresa May says, hey, Mike, fancy dinner? Is he not allowed to go out for dinner with Theresa <laughs> That's May? A good no, point. I, and I'm with you on this, but I, but I think this is one of the things that we do when it comes to politics and stories that happen in the media. We automatically go to, we don't look at them like people think about what you would do in that situation so this is the this is the process that i, that I went through and then and then h way <laughs> in the context of being the vice president of the united states of america those things i've just said do not apply because yes if theresa may says can we do this meeting over dinner and it's going to be a I one-to-one think... I, i'm sure he'd he'd say yes but personally if, a, if I was just having this conversation with a guy, I wouldn't react in any other way. Okay, but the thing that is, I think, completely ridiculous about this, and I just, I don't even understand it, is that actually, in life, we have to interact one-on-one with people of both genders at any given time for a variety of reasons. So I might have to go for coffee with our executive producer, who happens to be a guy, why is that a weird thing? And it would be more weird for him to not have coffee with me as a woman by mm. myself. I agree. It's more weird. Yeah. Equally, I have a very good male friend who has a girlfriend and he and I like to go out for dinner occasionally and catch up and see how things are going on. Not weird in any way, shape or form. Putting this as saying, I cannot possibly go out for dinner with somebody of the opposite sex is implying that if you do have a meeting which is just one-on-one with two people of a different gender, there is automatically something sexual about it. And that is so weird, Emma, do you not agree? Yeah, it sounds. she sounds like a really jealous, overprotective wife. And I think half the problem the United States has got at the minute is all those men in power have not been out and spent time with some smart, intelligent women that they haven't had wanted to have sex with. But you know what? I don't even want to put this on her because, I mean, I don't even know what she's thinking. But, like, he is a grown-up man. Why yeah. can he not go and have dinner with a woman without it being sexual? Mike Pence, the women of the United States are not fancying I you. Mean, yeah, I was going to say. They are not <laughs> all trying to get into your trousers. He's not really got a cue for dinner reservation. No. Wait, women. wait, wait. We have made this sexual. No, he's made it sexual by the refusing to go out for dinner with a woman. He has made it sexual by refusing to go out for dinner with a woman. Or does he just not want to go out for dinner with women? So there could be an element of, I don't want to go out for dinner with a woman. Yeah. But I, I also think, you know, these guys, they're, they're an evangelical, very religious family in the in the practice of their, their religion. And again, it goes through... No. No, no. So, no, H, it's not, I'm not saying I agree with this. I'm just saying I can see what their truth is. And their truth is we are religious people for us... This is a family rule that w- that isn't just us doing it. It's part of that how is not we evangelical live. Christian is, uh, Christianity. It's not evangelical Christianity. It is either a very warped opinion about what women are after or blatant misogyny. It's only of the two. Mm. So we've got to move on to our next story now. But we're not. I'm not a fan of Mike Pence. <laughs> <laughs> don't want to have dinner with, Mike have dinner with him ever. <laughs> um, Ems, tell us what have you been reading about this week? Uh, so there was an article this week, and when I first read it, I thought it was mega, mega revolutionary, and it totally is. But they're not the only company doing it. So there's a, an amazing uh, company in Shoreditch called Us Two that create apps, and uh, I know the MD there and the founder Mills wrote a really great 
article actually being very open about how he was building a business when his children came along and he didn't spend enough time out of the business to really bond with them when they were young or really appreciate his family time and he's just launched six months paid leave for the men and the women in the business so the women had that as part of their maternity and now men can take that too and I think that's that's amazing and I didn't realize that other businesses are doing this as much because for me I've always seen that problem in terms of women and taking time out of the business and they are a liability for that business and that affects their hiring and their promotion so to make men and women equal liability I thought was you know amazing and and we need to show more businesses that this can be done but it also threw up some interesting interesting questions what's that well one I was thinking to myself I mean I'm you know I'm self-employed now but I was thinking if I was employed having never wanted kids I'm like can I have six months off then <laughs> like, on pay. to do something because I mean I appreciate you've made a baby and well done good for you but I just might want to like I don't know have a puppy or maybe I need to look after somebody who's sick for six months can I do that and then it was another amazing comment where this guy was like hmm okay so if I it strategically impregnated three women <laughs> in, and I did my timings right, could I actually take like 18 months paid leave? And I was thinking, I think you probably can. <laughs> so anyway, it threw up all sorts of turmoil for me, as yeah. you can imagine. Now, do you think we've got a bit stuck on parental leave being about parents? Should it be more about actually the understanding that we're all working now for 50 odd years, so mm. we're going to need some time out? I, I, I think that is, is the point for me, and I, I've said this before. Workpla- workplaces and work culture needs to be more flexible across the board. If you expect people to stay with you and be loyal to you as a business, you need to reorganise the way you work and think that people need downtime. They they might want three months, six months off. The challenge is how you know paying them when someone's not in the business and therefore because if someone goes on on parental leave there is still a subsidy that you get from the government um so how do you cost in people that may not be in the business so i completely understand the strategic challenges to do that but yes you should be able to take a career break if you want it and i i like the fact that we're now just talking about parental leave so is two people coming together you can have that conversation around okay so who's going to take the time off and when also i think there's something actually about understanding that the kind of length of time that we're living means I think we should be thinking more more creatively about carer leave. Mm, yes. Because we're all going to be caring for elderly parents. Yeah, we are. And it's a big problem. There's no time off for that. It's not built into it at all. And particularly for women who we know the bulk of caring responsibilities always end up on, you know, actually understanding that maybe you don't have children, but you still need that time out to look after other people in your family, I think would be exciting. Yes. Um, And so then the story that I have been enjoying this week is actually some research from LSE, which is looking at uh, the effect of quotas on boards. And what this research has shown is that actually, when you enforce a gender quota on boards, generally the performance of that board will improve. And it improves because in order to make room for the generally women who are now being quoted onto the board, um, you have to get rid of some of the men. And of course, the board chooses to get rid of the mediocre ones. So they get rid of the ones that actually aren't that good and they replace them with the best women they possibly can find. So you are improving the whole quality of the board. And I am really excited about this because I am openly pro quotas. I think they're a good thing and we should be enforcing them. But I know I'm not the only person with an opinion on this. Um, Nat, what do you think? Are quotas a good thing? Should we should we take this as proof that actually we need to bring them into the UK? So I think it's a different question around in, in terms of quotas and are they a good thing? I think the research is is great. 
But I think that what the research also shows is that if you have diversity of thought around the table, and that's just not not just women, but also um, people of colour, so ethnic diversity or disability and socioeconomics, you perform better because you don't get that groupthink and that nodding and that consensus when actually something there is poss- possibly a different solution. Um, so they've extrapolated out to say, yes, you, you, you get rid of the mediocre. But I think that would be the case across the board. If it was a, a board full of, full of women, it, it would be the same thing. So I think for me, the question is, how would we make quotas work at a systems level? Because we've seen what well, I've seen sort of positive discrimination approaches in the US. And I don't think they've worked particularly well for black people or people of colour. And I wouldn't want the same thing to happen here. So at a systems level, so a government level, a, regulation, a regulatory level, how do we make sure it works for everyone? Emma, do you think we should have quotas? Would you put them in yeah, place? Yeah, I've been talking about quotas for a long time. and I, Because I think, you know, I was always a bit like, oh, I'm not sure, a quota's a good idea. And then it wasn't until I actually realised uh, someone said to me, you know, it, you're making the assumption that everybody who's there already because sorry the argument normally is we're not having quotas we're not going I don't want to be put on the board or whatever because I'm just a woman or I'm just black but actually you know everybody that's there already is there not because they're the best person for the job they're there because of unconscious bias they're there because of you know some of them are, are mediocre so for me I'm like absolutely we need quotas and absolutely you should be there because you're a woman or you're somebody of an ethnic minority because you've never been represented before and the only way we're going to have change is to fast track that so yeah I'm right behind quotas yeah I want a bit of fast tracking so we'll be talking about this more in the next section where we're going to be joined by Paula Bell who is the UK executive editor of the Huffington Post so we're going to be talking to her about a bit about kind of representation and women in the media and how we get away from that male pale and stale image that goes across the whole of our society so join us for that badass women's hour with harriet minter natalie campbell and emma sexton on talk radio she'll get you talking Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm joined by my co-hosts Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. And as ever, if you want to follow along with the show or tell us what you're thinking, do tweet us using the hashtag BAWH. For this section, we're joined by the amazing Porna Bell, the UK Executive Editor of Huffington Post. Welcome, Porna. Thank you. <laughs> it's lovely to have you here. So um, we are going to be talking to you about all sorts of things, including the book you have coming out and um, representation in the media. But I wanted to kick off because at Huffington Post, you've been doing something quite exciting recently, which is the All Women Everywhere campaign. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Sure. So every um, every March, we run four weeks of women's coverage. We do that daily anyway, but this is a, a really good chance for us to focus on certain issues, on certain things that we've all been talking about, whether that's in journalism or you know amongst ourselves. So this is the third year that we've done this campaign. And every year, someone always says, oh, you know, so what's a specific point about it? Um, you know, what's the thing that you want to really get to the heart of? And my response is, well, there's kind of a lot of different things going on. So to be able to hone in on any one thing is impossible. And also being the site that we are, I, I personally feel that it's really important for us to, to use it as a platform to just get as many different types of female voices on there as possible. Because 
you know, as you do in your show, there are lots of different issues that you discuss. There's lots of things um, to, to get on board with. And I think that one of the best ways of, of being able to educate people about the different challenges that we all face is by asking women from lots of different backgrounds. Um, so this year, BAME was a really big focus for us. So that's women from black, Asian and minority ethnic communities. Um, and to be able to talk about their own experience. So absolutely, we, we write features, you know, we do investigations and we tell the story um, of being a, a modern woman in Britain from from our point of view as a journalist. But fundamentally, that also needs to be told by women actually living in this country um, rather than us just telling them what they should think. So that's the heart and soul of the campaign. And have there been any parts of the campaign that you're particularly proud of or that were particularly kind of, you're particularly a bit in love with? Yeah, so we, this year, more than any other year, that we, we had a focus on, on religion. So, um, you know, making sure that we had women from different religious backgrounds come out there, talk about their experiences. Um, for me, a huge passion point, though, is girls and young women. So, you know, we, we do so much around our current generation of women, the, the women who are... Um, you know, the generation in advance of us who can tell us and teach us lessons about things. But I'm really interested in that generation that are coming up behind us. And, and you know, what are we doing currently to make that world slightly less terrible than it was for us when we were their ages coming up. So the things that we've done around girls and young women, so looking at mental health, and when I say mental health, I don't mean mental illness, I'm talking about like promoting good mental health and well-being. So um, looking at the things that can fortify them, that can strengthen them, and that ties into things around parenting. So it's not just motherhood, it's about fathers, it's about men and the feminist work that they're doing. Um, so that's one of the things I'm, I'm really passionate about. And also, you know, this is a such a huge year for women in sport as well so one of our writers did this fantastic focus on women in sport and you know we all know how much they get paid in comparison to how much mm. male uh, sportsmen get paid and and shining a spotlight on that was really important for us to do i've just got a question in terms of you i you know the the depth and range of topics covered as part of this program was phenomenal like Thank just you. amazing to see all those stories and and to see just those sort of life stories but what I'm really interested to know is did you see any like key themes that came out because when we talk around women the word confidence like always comes up like I'm a bit bored of hearing that around women but were there any other like key themes that came up from all those stories where you're like oh there's a little bit of a trend here or or this is always being said so the the biggest thing that I noticed um let's say in comparison to when I was personally writing about feminism a lot about three years ago or even when we did this as a month um, there's less infighting so um, I would find that if I wrote a piece about feminism about three years ago that the biggest amount of grief that I would get from it wouldn't be from men um, you know telling me to pipe down or uh, making horrible comments on Twitter it would be from other feminists which was really depressing because I was just thinking you know I'm trying to do something in this space and to have a voice and my voice is being shouted down by other women and I know that sometimes that can be really demotivating. But what I've really noticed is this year um, we've all felt that unification. And it's not just unification amongst women. You know, we've got children who are involved. Um, we've got men who are involved. And, and, and I think that that for me was some of the most powerful um, messaging around, you know, those pieces that we have on the site personally. That's great. Really great. To hear. Yeah. I have a different question. It's going back to our Mike Pence um Story, conversation at the beginning of the show and you, you mentioned religion and I was wondering if Mike Pence was Muslim and he said you know I wouldn't go out for dinner with another woman and I tend not to go to events where there's alcohol would we respond in the same way and it's 
so I've said before, I think we've got into a place where we shut down other people's truths, especially if they're not something that, that we agree with and we ridicule them or, or point to things that, that are wrong, as opposed to starting a conversation around understanding and unpicking a bit more and, and really going into ourselves and thinking, well, if this was just a person next to me, how would I respond? And thinking about that before we go to now they're a political figure just to kind of take some heat out out of things. I'm just going to clarify my point on the app. If Mike Pence was a Muslim and he said, because I'm a Muslim, I cannot have dinner with a woman, I would say that makes you unsuitable to do your job. FYI. <laughs> in your opinion. So, in response to that, to, to just segue from, from Mike Pence, um, not that he isn't, you know, a charmer, um, <laughs> is that I think that, for me, one of the biggest topics at the moment, which if you try and wade in or venture an opinion about, you know, you just can't win at it is the topic um, around trans uh, women and an identity and Chimamanda obviously got a lot of heat for for you know making comments about it or, or putting forward a point of view mm. now for me I just think that that is is indicative of not being able to comment or have an open discussion about a topic. Mm. You know, someone may say something that you don't agree with or someone may say, uh, or I may not agree with, with, you know, what she says particularly, but I really, I really take on board that ethos that you have to be able to discuss it. You have to be able to talk about it. Mm. And, and to your point, it is that shouting other people down, mm. which is, it's so disruptive and it, it's not disruptive in a good way because... People not allowing you to have a voice or an opinion about something is exactly the reason why women are in the position that they're in where they're not allowed a voice in the boardroom because there aren't enough of them there. Or if they speak out, they're told how they have to communicate in a particular way and they have to communicate in a man's voice. So 100%, like to, to around any of these topics, we have to be able to have a talk about it and for someone to just not... I'm not saying that uproar isn't a good thing because, of course, that fuels debate and that fuels... Um, the conversation but we have to do it in a particular way where other people don't feel afraid of coming forward with their opinions but how, uh, so focusing on, on women more broadly then and, and uh, female politicians because when they do something they especially on on social media and on twitter they are absolutely vilified where you know, from um diane abbott and all of the uh, racist abuse that she got what can we do as as, as people in the media to help those people people have a voice help politicians and people that we've put in leadership positions have a voice and say what be, be themselves be authentic and, and share what they believe without automatically being attacked so caricature is a really interesting one i think that we do that with um all of our politicians and we especially do that with female politicians so um we put them in a particular box you know when they venture an opinion outside of uh, the I guess the structure of what their caricature is supposed to be we, mm. we either don't give it a voice mm -hmm. um, because it's very convenient right for us to have a particular idea of who this person is and the and the persona that they have in parliament um, what I would say the antidote to that is so one of the things that we do on the Huffington Post is we have lots of politicians who use our blogging platform mm. and we don't alter what they say so they have autonomy over what they're writing you know there's no sub that's going to hack their words to bits um, and they can access that platform 
perform as and when they want to. So they have control over that. Um, and so there's been a lot of, of stuff. So, for, for example, um, you know, someone like Luciana um, Berger talking about mental health. Now, if she was to talk to a publication who is and then you're going to see her words and her experience mm. about what she's been doing, seen through the lens of a journalist who is going to cherry pick what to put in there because they've got the story that they want to present. Right. Yeah. But then the antidote to that is her being able to say in five to 800 words um, exactly what her thoughts are on that that to me is a truth because I'm reading exactly what she's put down there I'm not reading it because some editor has decided to skew it in a particular way Yeah. and so talking about being able to speak our truth and use kind of writing as a form of getting our stories out there you are doing that right now so you're about to publish a book I am it's called Chase the Rainbow and what's it about so it's non-fiction and it's part memoir and it's part journalism Um, it's about my life with my husband so my husband passed away in 2015 um he um he died by suicide he had depression and also struggled with addiction and um a lot of it is about what I wanted to do with the book was just to tell you what our lives were like together and the reason for that isn't necessarily from a from an ego point of view it's because our lives were actually a lot like your lives Mm. um there were just complications there um but i feel that for example when you mention words like suicide or addiction or depression it comes back to that caricature it comes back to those very polar understandings of people that have that or go through that and what that's like and so it was to just i guess break down the ideas that some people may have around those things um and also it's a love story. I mean, I loved him. He was absolutely amazing. He was a great guy, um, super intelligent, very, very feminist. Um, and I just wanted to be able to start a conversation around those things, but to come at it from a point of view that was just very human. Mm. It's a very brave thing to do, to put your kind of entire story and his story out there. What gives you the strength to do that? Um, I think I have been thinking a lot about it. So it's coming out on the 4th of May, which actually is not that far away. It feels like I've been sitting on it like an egg for a while. Um, And I think um, the hardest thing about our lives together was that um, I couldn't talk to a lot of people about what was going on. So you know, we'd, stuff would go on at home or I would feel a particular way about stuff going on at home and then I'd have to come into work and just go, hey guys, how's it going? Oh, you know, this is going to be our editorial agenda for X, Y and Z. Like inside, I'm like, you know, kind of secretly dying. And so managing those two lives or that duality was was really hard. But on the other hand, you know, I had my relationship that sustained me on on its good days and I had a couple of people that I could talk to about it. I think when he passed away, um, it it was obviously extremely devastating. But what happens to you as a person when someone you love very much dies, and especially when it's a partner, I think, um, is that you don't know who you are as a person anymore. You know the bits of who you are as a person, but you've got to do this reinvention of yourself because you're not going to be able to survive it if you're clutching onto the things that you were when you were together. And when I was in the process of figuring out, you know, what was going on and just trying to do my day to day, I just realized that um, I it wasn't OK to necessarily be that open about him or, you know, to tell people how he died. And, and I just thought that that was absolutely unacceptable because I just thought I'm going through all of this stuff internally. I've had to keep so much of my life secret. Um, no one wants to talk about it because no one else is talking about it. I couldn't really find books to help me with this. Um, you know, any books that I read about someone's spouse passing away 
were kind of older when when it's a bit more of a natural i mean not necessarily any less devastating but it's a bit more of a natural event and as a writer i decided that the only way i was going to be able to maintain my own sanity through this was to be able to tell my own story and so actually putting my own story out there hugely cathartic obviously but it helped me to make sense of what had happened um and it just meant that i didn't have to keep all of this stuff inside anymore and if as a consequence someone reading this could see you know i mean no one's going to read that and think oh my god my life happened like that exactly I completely understand every single bit of the book but from what i've anecdotally heard from people you can pick out bits of it mm-hmm. you know so someone has known someone with depression or addiction or who has died from suicide um and i and it would just make you feel hopefully less alone and if you didn't have any of those things touching your life then you kind of understood what it might be for like what it might be like for someone who had gone through that stuff. Okay. Thank you very much, Porno. I'm really looking forward to reading it. Thank I can't you. wait. It's Chasing Rainbows. It's out on the 4th of May. Chase the Rainbow. Chase the Rainbow, sorry. Chase the Rainbow, yeah. out on the 4th of May. Um, and you're hanging around to do our badass balls up to yeah, this I as can't well. Wait. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's coming up in our next section. And as ever, if you want to contact us, if you've got a problem you want us to share, help you with, give you our combined 100 years of wisdom on <laughs> then of course you can tweet us at badass women's hour hr that's at badass women's hour or find us on instagram or facebook or using the hashtag bawh badass women's hour with harriet mincer natalie campbell and emma sexton on talk radio she'll get you talking when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. And today we're also joined by the amazing Porna Bell, UK Executive Editor of the Huffington Post. Hello, Porna. Hi. So um, this is our Badass Balls Up sections, the section where we invite you to tell us all your trials and tribulations and we will use our combined nearly 100 years of... Wisdom, experience, mistakes made, lessons not learnt, to try and help you out. So, first up, problem 
from one of my colleagues this week and um girl i work with absolutely brilliant very very on the ball great at her job lots of experience but god damn it she looks really young there is not a wrinkle in sight on that face and she looks really young she's quite petite and she goes into meetings and she gets judged for it and people talk over her they assume she's not as senior as she is they assume that she won't know what she's talking about how can she get a bit of gravitas emma what do you think that's tough i think you've got to you've you've got to just sort of bring it basically to that first meeting because you've they they're going to judge you just on how you look and they're going to make that decision on you in like 5 seconds yeah. so you've got to really work it and almost try and flip that switch as quickly as possible and i think that comes from the first handshake mm-hmm. you know really assertive really confident I know my stuff, like, yeah, bring it in the room. That would be my advice. Paula, what about you? Have you ever experienced this? I have. Um, When I was in my 20s, I mean, I've, like, aged about 20 years in the last five years. (laughs) But in my 20s, it would be something I would hear a lot of, oh, you know, I I didn't know uh, that you were that age because you look a lot younger. And I absolutely agree um, that you have a very short window in which to make an impression, which actually is an ethos anyone can use. But you just go in there really hard. Like, knowledge is power. just seem really knowledgeable go in there and just impress them and it really doesn't matter whether you look like a five-year-old child um, that will win the day (laughs) (laughs) now is it just about knowledge are there things we can do physically to help ourselves yeah that's i'm i'm in the in the space with everyone else you have to go in there and boss it but if you are if you so there are ways to make your yourself present and that is you know you walk into a room and it is a visual thing we talk about sort of what you wear at work and all this sort of stuff but it is a, it is a, is a, is a visual presence you walk in and you want people to know you are there so that is in how you stand i notice women when they're in meetings hunch over on themselves and make themselves small don't make yourself smaller in presence than you already are so it's that thing that you know sitting proud engaging with the table leaning into the table to to use the phrase um but also you know, when you're making points, make sure you are speaking to everyone. Engage them in the eye because that is them also then switching on to you. And if you find that there isn't someone that's looking in, in the eye, I do this. I'll be like, so, John, on the point that I've just made, what's your response to this? <laughs> Bring them in so they can't ignore you. Do not let anyone ignore you. That's a great tip. I'd love, love to that. watch you in a boardroom. <laughs> you would be mega. <laughs> mega. Okay, so that's basically own your presence, mm. know what you're talking about. And make sure that people appreciate that you're there. Yep. Um, Nat, what is our question for this week that you have for us? So this is an ongoing conversation. And when we were speaking about it earlier, we, we all sort of nodded. Uh, and it's, where is the romance gone? <laughs> where is the romance gone from dating? This, you know, the app sort of fast dating culture that we're in at the moment, the swipe here. It's removing any form of romance. I get really annoyed if a guy suggests a coffee as a first date, I, I really, do I do. Oh, I oh, love that. Like I it. love that. I Sunday love that. Dates. Porno, what? Sunday yeah. dates? Yes, Sunday no? dates to me is is the biggest insult. You know, when you so really? I'm I'm dating at the moment, and uh, and a, when a guy goes, oh, let's meet on a Sunday, it's like, no, I have an appointment with my pajamas and my TV, <laughs> and you're not worth the Sunday date. I'm afraid. <laughs> so I made a thing of Sunday dates, and I used to go to the same place 
and just all, a glass of red wine but it was kind of like that way you know it's all all um what's the word uh, con- uh standardized <laughs> yeah exactly exactly you don't have to think too much and you know knew what my dating outfits were kind of and i'd go to go to the same place but i feel like the romance has gone oh. the, the the courting and the wooing so, and the, emma how can we bring a bit of old-fashioned romance well, back into hello. dating was it not in january i was talking about my 90-day rule like, yeah and you'll notice that like... we've very kindly not called you on it well <laughs> i think that's part of the love and romance yeah. like take your time to get to know somebody don't rush the sex like that is love and romance like so Porner was saying what is emma was not having sex with anyone for 90 that days was my new Why? rule when i met somebody to wait to develop a friendship because it's like you know you can have sex really easily with somebody i love how Porner's nodding but very I- politely but <laughs> uh, my eyes say a different picture <laughs> i mean yeah i mean I, I do think that there's some challenges around that but i'm i'm definitely up for the challenge but no one else seems to be <laughs> Porter, have we got too obsessed with the kind of disposable dating do is there something people can do to bring a bit of romance back? I think the problem is when people use dating apps because they want love and romance. I think that we should just be very honest about what dating apps actually do. And when it comes to love and romance, I mean, I to your point, I completely agree about friendship being such an integral part of that. Because um, with all due respect, if I'd seen a picture of Rob, my husband, on um, a dating app, I would, I would have just swiped left. <laughs> but I actually got to know him and he was amazing. <laughs> but um, but I think to your point, I think that the love and romance stuff. I mean, you know, sex for ninety days. That, that's or no. no sex. Sorry, I mean I'm up no for sex. sex for ninety days. <laughs> but I was just going to try and flip it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, As but, the actual and, and, <laughs> and I think that that's fantastic. But I think my rule is uh, is like it's somewhere in the middle of that. It's more like a fourth or fifth date, um, and then by then I think you've ascertained whether or not the guy is completely nuts. Um, you know, you know your comfortability, and you actually enjoy it a bit more rather than mm. it being oh no, I have five Jaeger bombs and now <laughs> now I don't know what's happened. <laughs> also, I do think there's something about showing what you want. So we put all the emphasis for romance on the guys. And actually, I think women should be a bit romantic as well. We can be romantic with each other, with our friends. I love it when my friends send me a lot of cards or some flowers. We And we can do that to men as well. And I think we should be doing more of that. If you want some more romance in your life, put it out there first. That's my tip. So I'm just going to say on this. So I am very romantic with myself. I buy myself flowers and I take myself out for lovely You're meals. You're not very romantic with me. And it, hey, okay, I'll, I'll do better. But I think it makes the it sets the bar very high for a guy coming into my life because I'm like, well, if you're not treating me better than I treat myself, then where does this go? 100%. Where does this go? I, I'm like my favourite company. So what you yeah. need to do is give me an incentive to leave myself, yeah. who I very much enjoy hanging out with, yeah. and put some clothes on and actually go and meet you. Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. <laughs> Maybe we'll make it work one day. Oh, uh, so our final problem of the week. Emma, what is it this week? So this one came via our Facebook page. That's so been good. We've been getting got lots of like requests for badass balls up on there. But uh, somebody is saying they've living, been living with their like um, best mate for a couple of years now and their best mate's got a boyfriend, which is all fine. But they're kind of going, well, I think the boyfriend's kind of moved in, but I'm not sure. And her flatmate hasn't really mentioned it, but he's around there all the time and she's basically like really really getting quite annoyed now because she's basically sharing a flat with a couple and that's a totally different thing it is a totally different sharing a flat with a couple is a totally different thing but also the reality of flat sharing is that at some point your flatmates annoy you always always and flip of that is probably at some point you've quite annoyed them i'm sure i have (laughs) um but i do think when it comes to like 
I feel quite strongly about this, that when it comes to when somebody is dating someone, regardless of how much of a pigsty their flat is, regardless of how much you hate their flatmate, you've got to split it 50-50. Mm. 50% of the time at yours, 50% of the time at theirs. Nat, do you agree? I do agree. Um, I'm the worst person to live with if you... So I rent out a room sometimes and when the person I'm living with gets into a relationship, it really annoys me. I'm not very good around other people's public displays of affection. When people kiss in front of me on the tube, I'm like, seriously, you have to do this right now. When it's friends and stuff, it's fine. But just general kind of kissing and gazing into eyes, it really, I'm just like, guys, stop it. So when it's in my kitchen, I can't deal with it. Um, so so that's all I can contribute to this conversation. So I, I can't had, deal with it. I did have an occasion once where when I was living with some flatmates and I had a boyfriend and they had to have a conversation with me, which was like, uh, is he going to be here every day because I was in like a little love bubble so I hadn't appreciated that you know he was there the whole time eating their food and drinking their tea and not replacing it um Paula how do you kind of how do you bring this up with your flatmates how do you mention that their boyfriend is really annoying you well I had a similar situation but I just moved out so um (laughs) and now I live on my own so (laughs) There's a good solution right there. But um, I think just talk to them about it or just gently nudge them because I do understand that when you're in a new relationship, you know, you just want to spend all of your time together. If their place is skankier than yours, then you have this natural gravitation towards <laughs> wanting to hang out in the nicer place, mm. unfortunately. But the it, for me, it's not even the um, the PDA stuff because I, I have this vision of when I'm an old lady carrying a water spritzer and just spraying people that I think are on heat and, you know, just... <laughs> inappropriately <laughs> love that inappropriately getting down in front of me but I think that for me it's more when I'm hanging out in my own flat I want to hang out in my own flat and I don't mm. want to see some strange guy there I mean it's it's as simple as that really yeah I just have to add to this I sent you guys a photo I was out and there were a couple having literally a non-sexual tantric session right in front of me yeah. in a public coffee shop <laughs> and it was freaking me out but they were right in my eye line yeah. and I could hear them kissing and it was driving me absolutely insane and then yesterday at Shoreditch House a couple were having lunch together and we were on the sunbeds and again it was oh I love you and oh my god oh my god I was about to combust and explode so I'm going to start walking around with a water bottle and spray people yeah, I, I, I mean it's, I totally would do that or when you're at Shoreditch House just push them in the wall <laughs> <laughs> that'll cool them off <laughs> I don't really think we can get any wiser than that, to be honest. Brilliant advice there. Um, so a big thank you to this week's guest, Paula Value Executive Editor at Huffington Post. As ever, if you want some wisdom, I don't know if it's helpful, but if you want it anyway, you can find us on Twitter at Badass Women's Hour, HR at Badass Women's Hour, Instagram, Facebook, all the other socials, or find us on the hashtag B-A-W-H. Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm joined by my co-hosts Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. And as ever, we are using this section of the show to look at a backdated badass, a woman from history that you absolutely should know about. And this week's has a beautiful husky tone to her. Emma, who is she? Yeah, so this week we are picking Mae West because, well, lots of reasons. Tell us a little bit, just for people who don't know instantly who she is, what did she do? So Mae West is an, well, was an actress, a film actor, 
And she also wrote and produced uh, a lot of plays as well, but she was also a sex symbol. But her plays were quite daring, quite provocative. She was renowned for being a bit of a sex symbol and her shows are very, like, really pushing sexuality, especially the the era that she was in. She was born in 1893 and died in 1980. And she was really one of those kind of, like, 1920s, 1930s actresses, very Mm. iconic and um, we've almost certainly seen a black and white picture of her smoking a cigarette. Mm-hmm. She had some fantastic lines. Um, but she actually started her career kind of on Broadway. And her first role on Broadway was in a 1926 play called Sex, which she wrote, produced and directed herself. And um, it was a complete hit. But unfortunately, a lot of people did not approve of the content. And so they complained to the local council and they had her arrested on moral charges whatever moral charges are um but this is why i love my west because they had her arrested and they were like look this is obviously a bit of a trumped up charge you can just pay a fine and it's all done with or we're gonna have to send you to jail for 10 days and so she looked at it and she was like well actually i could just pay a fine and it all goes away but i can go to jail for 10 days that's gonna be a really big publicity drive for my play so i'll go to jail Thanks very much. She's so badass, though. So (laughs) badass. Because then after that, she was doing all her plays and writing them. And because, like, every now and again, like, these eight eight vice agents, basically, would, like, drop in and spy on her to see if she was still, like, breaking the law. So all her actors and plays had two scripts to learn. And if they got a tip-off, they would change the script. So people started to go to her um, productions and be like, well, I don't know which version of the script (laughs) we're going. I'm like, just, like, yeah, badass behaviour. Love it. Absolutely (laughs) Brilliant. What about what is it about her for you now that really kind of appeals? So some people may know her for the film Klondike Annie. Um, I think it's uh, one of the ones that, that sticks out as an old black and white. So she made that movie in 1936. But the actual film was about religion and hypocrisy, which if you think about it, in 1936, to challenge anything to do with religion would have been unheard of. Um, so... Uh, she actually portrayed a, a, a Salvation Army worker um, and it, I think she pushed the boundaries. So not just sex. For me, I think she pushed the boundaries of what was socially acceptable and she pushed using a visual which would at a medium that would would have been very, very new at the time. And I feel like she was also, you know, she was entrepreneurial and thinking, well, what next? What else? can I do and maybe she has beyond the quotes and the things that she said she hasn't really had the recognition she deserves for also just being completely on the ball and challenging stereotypes one of the things when it's really interesting when you look at the visuals of her Mm. is that she actually challenges the stereotype of femininity because for that era femininity had a very distinctive visual you know sort of beautiful wavy hairs and hourglass figures um, Mae West is actually quite, um, almost a bit asexual. So there's a lot of, she see her in a lot of time in smoking jackets. Mm. Um, she's got something quite masculine about her look. But with this masculinity is this very kind of raw sexuality that at that time was just unheard of. And it lingers even today because you can hear it in her voice. And she was known for her amazing quotes and put downs. And these are some of the best ones. Well, when I'm good, I'm very good. But when I'm bad... I'm better. <laughs> I see a man in your life. What, only one? Oh, well, I'm caught between two evils. I generally like to take the one I never tried. Well, you were wonderful tonight. I'm always wonderful at night. <laughs> <laughs> Are you trying to show contempt for this court? No, I'm doing my best to hide it. 
So that was Mae West, our backdated badass for today. We love her and we particularly love her voice, which I'm desperately an envy of. Um, We're nearly at the end of our show, but as ever, we always like to leave you with a badass principle for the week, something you can live your life by in the next seven days. So Nat, what is our principle for this week? Our principle for this week, and it comes from you, and a conversation we were having earlier, is Raging Storm. Um, What is about Raging Storm? What does that mean? So uh, Raging Storm is when you pull together all of the energy that you have within your body to go out and make something happen, to go out and transform something. And you described it as that moment when you're stuck in a storm and you feel all of the elements. And I know as as soon as you said it, I knew exactly what you meant because it's always those moments when I'm standing on a, it's usually a, a cliff top or something and you feel the wind or the the precipitation in the air and you know you're alive yeah that's exactly what it is for me so it's that moment of feeling that nature itself is just sort of out of control and wild and I think particularly as women we're told to be very controlled very proper that we have rules and things we should should obey and I love that feeling of just being like no I'm going to be out there as wild and crazy as that full-on storm Emma can you do that this week Yes, always wild and crazy. <laughs> yeah, I've got that nailed, thanks. <laughs> yeah, but Raging Storm is also for me, like yesterday I had it, I had this rage when someone was at an event and someone on the panel said something that I was just like, oh my goodness, I can't believe we're still having this conversation. So there was this inner rage going, my work is not done. There's <laughs> still some more ranting on Twitter to do. So yeah, <laughs> it is about using the anger to fire you up. But that's what it is. So thank you forever for joining us on this week's Badass Women's Hour here on Talk Radio. Um, if you liked it, you, do you know what you should do? You should come talk to us on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook. You can find us on all of them at Badass Women's Hour. That's at Badass Women's Hour. Or you can come talk to us directly because we love that too, as so long as you say nice things. I'm at Harriet Minter. Emma? At Emma Sexton. And Nat? At Nat D. Campbell. Um, and as ever, we'll be here next week, but keep talking to us using the hashtag BAWH. And we'll see you next week. Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. You've been listening to the Badass Women's Hour podcast. We have a request to make of you because we give you all this stuff for free. So we need something back in return. Now, what do we want? We want reviews. (laughs) Fabulous ones, please. If you're being mean, none. And when do we want them? Now! (laughs) Yes, we do. Emma, what is your demand of our listeners? We want subscribers. Tell your mum, tell your dad, tell your boyfriend, tell your, I don't know, your, I don't know, everybody. Your dog. Tell your dog. Tell your dog. Your dog's going to love it. Yes, everybody. Subscribe. Subscribe, review, tell your friends and make sure you show us the love. Come follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all the details in our bio or use the hashtag B-A-W-H. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues 
your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.